Welcome back to another episode of Into the Night Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy Into the Night, one minute of screen time per episode. You're here today with me, David Forsyth, and my co-host Todd Lucas from the as-yet-unreleased Movie by Minute podcast, Edge of Tomorrow Minute. We're here to discuss Minute 79 of Into the Night, which opens on Diana leading Sheriff Peterson back to the limo and ends with Diana about to tell us where she lives. Yeah, this is sort of the family episode, isn't it? Pretty much. It's hard to say what we're, what's going on here. I mean, we've got uh, Sheriff Boy over here and giving her a nice walk across the highway, which really looks a little more dangerous this time. <laughs> yeah, right. And she's got the long down coat in her arms with the six perfect emeralds in the secret pocket. So we know she's she's got the goods. But yeah, we don't really know what's going on, but we do know... Um, as they approach the limo, you know, as Diana's leading a cop back to the limo where there are two heavies and a, you know, armed Frenchman in the back, um, that, uh, the armed Frenchman is, um, he's a little caught off guard. He doesn't really know what's going on. I don't know what he expected to happen, but okay. You turn somebody loose with a bunch of cops to go <laughs> fetch your smuggled jewels while holding, yeah, no, it's, it. His expectations were just a little skewed. Maybe he's just used to working in Europe and things just don't happen the same way in California, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, maybe uh, maybe European hostages are a bit more cooperative. (laughs) All right. Well, then, you know, his first action, of course, is to take his gun and slip it inside one layer of his shirts. I don't think that's a safe carry. Yeah, he definitely just kind of chucks it between his shirt and his sort of light jacket yeah whatever that thing is i was trying to look it up and then i realized why would i do that (laughs) yeah it's uh i mean he's not putting it into a holster he's not putting it into a pocket he's just chucking it in and he mutters merd yeah which which we actually know what that means this time yeah but uh that's a bleepable word in english but in french yeah you know merd it's a curse for extra excrement yes um, so, but, uh, yeah, so when, when they get back to the car, um, Diana addresses the, the South African henchman as Sean and Jeff. Sean, Jeff, come on, get out of the car. Which are not their names, Obviously I would assume. not. All right. Well, she does seem to have a play here, doesn't she? She does. She does. And, um, I, the best part is the, the you get the two shot of them looking back through the the uh driver window into the into the limo cabin just uh giving melville that look like what the hell he gives them a a cool little french head nod like go ahead play along with it there's a cop out here and they do get out of the car um they hang out with uh sheriff peterson for a minute then diana convinces everyone else to get out of limo too she convinces ed to get out and she refers to monsieur melville as pierre Ed, uh, Pierre, come on out and meet Sheriff. <laughs> she, we discover that um, even though she was quick on the Sean and Jeff names to make up for the heavies, um, it took her a, like a, a beat to come up with the name Pierre yeah. for a French I was guy, wondering so. if she just hadn't thought of it yet or if maybe she knew she was going to call him Pierre, which is kind of like, you know, the only French name that Americans would know and was right. relishing calling him that. You know, just get oh, a moment that, that of being be. happy about it. 
They could be. I was sort of picturing her walking back across the street and thinking like, okay, what's a fake name for everybody? I got Sean, I got Jeff, and then just freezing. Uh, but you're right. She may have just been, you know, taking the, the minute to ridicule. She does kind of give a sly look as she says Pierre. She, I mean, it's kind of a hesitation, like she's thinking, but then when she looks over, she does sort of get that like, I'm making fun of you and I'm winning uh, kind of look to her eyes so yeah. maybe yeah i was kind of hoping that because you know at, at first I, I i read it as her like very rapidly trying to come up with anything but you know it is michelle pfeiffer so i feel i'm giving her the benefit of the doubt pretty much every time yeah so I, th- I think you know at this point in her career maybe she hadn't earned that but in retrospect yeah she'll she gets some benefits of the doubts here it could be worse i mean she might have just been having a hard time with the line and then it was a good take so they kept it <laughs> Right. Yeah, it could just be a logistical uh, uh, problem or a, a coincidence here yep. as well. So, I think we're overanalyzing that. Good job. And since I, that's what we're here to do. I mean, I know. we've got excellent. We're going to turn turn one minute of screen time into podcast gold by overanalyzing the intricacies of Michelle Pfeiffer's delivery. So yeah, it's uh they once once Ed and Pierre and I'm doing air quotes here which you can't see because podcasting is a not a visual medium. <laughs> Ed picks up the lie and talks about how Pierre doesn't speak English. Uh, Pierre Pierre doesn't speak English. <laughs> He's such a good cook though, who cares? To keep him from having to um say anything or I think that's probably to Ed and Diana's benefit to to shut him up, right? right? It's a it's a, a limitation. It's a leash he's putting on him because if he does start speaking English, then the sheriff is immediately going to be suspicious of something. Exactly. Or Ed Ed and Diana are both uh, on the same wavelength here, whereas Sean and Jeff uh, and Pierre are are all sort of uh, they're they're put out at yeah. this point. They're 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 behind. Yeah. They're trying to catch up. Now, so. the thing that gets me about this this whole situation is just how much respect these guys have for law enforcement in America. Yeah, and if if this was just the one cop standing here, I think this situation might have ended a little differently. But, you know, directly across the, the street from there is, uh, you know, like six cruisers and who knows how many cops just standing out on the road. So I think. Sure. But they're on the other side of the busy road. And last time we saw them, they were not paying attention to anything. Not even Michelle Pfeiffer, who was an arm's length away. I mean, these guys are literally asleep. That is true. And so, yeah, you're you you may be right. I mean, uh, it may be a respect. It may be a fear, um, but they certainly are not up to shenanigans with, no. with this uh, with Sheriff Peterson. Yeah. So pretty much the whole movie is like that. All the bad guys are just really worried about law enforcement. I mean, they're they're well, they're ridiculously brutal criminals. And yet, you know, a couple of cops and they're like, oh, better not. Until we get to the airport, but that's a whole other story for, you know, 20 minutes from now or so. Yeah, and and, and I believe that's a much different circumstance, so. Yes, right. Things are tense yeah. at that moment, right? So. Yeah, things are definitely not tense now. Yeah. The, this is, you know, some of the other folks from earlier minutes have uh, have mentioned that the the movie does kind of, you know, keep changing foot. I mean, is it is it serious? Is it trying to be funny? You know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I personally love this minute right here because I I like uh, who's the actor that's Melville now. I I think he was was great. I, I would have picked him to be the actor for this part, even if he wasn't a cameo person. Roger Vadim. Roger Vadim. Yes, and I I just just his discomfiture here, especially when he's standing up next to the sheriff and. 
Ed and Diana drive away and he starts talking to him, asking how he likes being in America. Just he runs through the gamut of emotions. He's just so uncomfortable dealing with this guy. Wow. Spoiler alerts. We're not to the point where they drive off yet. But, I know, um, but they do eventually. They do eventually. Right. Well, and, and we sort of get a hint to that, right? Because as Diana is introducing everyone, as they get them out of the car, she tosses the long coat into the limo. So clearly her intentions are to get back in that limo and do something, which, you know, leave is the, is the, uh, is the, uh, is the best idea, I think. But, uh, she, she does sort of foreshadow that, that action a little bit here in this minute. So I think that's, uh, an interesting bit, you know, to not have her keep that coat draped over her arm, but to like pitch it into the into the limo. I think it's good. And I think it's also just another her thumbing her nose at Melville. Say, look, I'm doing it. You see me doing it well in advance. And well, never mind. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that could be. So have you ever taken the opportunity to introduce your entire family to a police officer? No, never once. Yeah, me either. I, th- there, w- there was a moment once when uh, a police officer uh, pulled us over on the way to my parents for Christmas. My wife was driving for some reason, even though she had a broken foot. It was uh, <laughs> snowy, cold, and icy outside, obviously. And uh, uh, she got pulled over for speeding on a, a country highway through a very small town. And uh, when we got stopped, my autistic son popped out of the car because... When you stop a car, that's what you do, right? Right. Makes sense to me. And the cop lost his his, uh, mind about that. And so I had to pop out of the passenger side and try to haul him back, you know, away from the cop, at which point my wife got out of the car in this giant boot brace that you wear (laughs) when your foot's broken. And he lost it again. He was stumbling all over himself to be to politely say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't realize (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think we left him there for a good long while trying to figure out, you know, maybe about his life choices. And uh, how many emeralds were you hiding on your body at that time? I was hiding exactly zero. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, still a good story either way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's. I do think it's odd that, I mean, obviously, you know, she's not introducing her family just because she's friendly. And they obviously are not her family. But, uh, yeah, it it is sort of a strange thing. I don't know. Maybe people were friendlier to police uh, back in 1985. <laughs> uh, but it strikes me as odd. Sheriff Peterson doesn't seem to indicate that it's odd, but he does sort of get, uh, he gives us a back to business um, line, right? Right. So he's like, uh, it's nice to meet you all, but, uh, and then takes out his little flip book uh, to write down. And at which point Diana decides to go into uh, yet another lie. Right. She is Mrs. Ed o- 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 Cohen. My name is Mrs. Ed o- o- Cohen. O'Cohen, right, of the Irish Jews or something. Something. I'm know. not sure what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. Yeah, of course. No, it just just her being bad at making up names again or or not realizing that she had to make up a name, I guess. Yeah, um, she yeah, so. at the last minute realized, well, I just gave Ed, gave, gave Ed away. We don't want that to yeah. happen. <laughs> well, and it's also weird to to not like if the police were collecting your information, and I understand that that's sort of a different thing for, for women to be introduced as their, uh, you know, with their husband's name at one point. But I mean, even 
1985, it seems weird that you would not give the police your first name. I, I think we may actually still just be within that that, that uh, tailing end of that kind of behavior. And uh, I believe Southern California might have been the la one of the last bastions in this country of doing such a thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But And the, the cop probably already has heard her name because I think they mention it in while she's in Bud's house. I think he addresses her by name at some point. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't really know. I don't remember. It's not, I haven't watched these minutes in enough detail to remember if she's addressed by name. Right. I can't even remember her last name right offhand. <laughs> it's O. Cohen. Oh, so. Apparently. Yeah. No. That works for me. You know, mm -hmm. if Michelle Pfeiffer says that, I'm going to buy it. So. Yeah. It works. But yeah, that's, that's about where this minute ends. I, I sort of noticed as I was watching through this, that this entire stretch of minutes that we're doing this week is for the most part music free there's a little bit of 70s cop show music sting in the beginning of minute 76 as they're pulling up to the house and uh and melva's explaining what's going to go down but other than that this this stretch is is pretty music free and it it doesn't really give any indications you know like you you could easily see sort of a um a wacky or jaunty or bit playing over this you know as the I mean, this is certainly the most Three's Company-ish minute, um, at least you know of of our chunk here, and maybe of the of the uh, of the movie as well. But uh, you know, where where somebody's somebody's running a scheme on somebody or telling little lies to to get away with their little plan. So it's uh, right that one episode where there's some sort of misunderstanding. Gotcha. Yeah, just like that. It's uh, I think not the one that was about sex but the one that was about sex yeah yeah that, that one. one okay yeah. gotcha mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. yeah it could have been that or i mean they could have played it straight which would have made um you know uh, diane and ed seem a little weird but uh yeah. our bad guys here would have been perfectly happy with some more dramatic music playing under this right yeah because it with some dramatic music it would have uh, heightened the tension for for ed and diane a little bit and you know made made the situation feel a little more dangerous but the, there's really there's no real indication here as to, to what's going on from there's no there's no mood setting going on. So you're really reading it very dry. Camera work is very realistic and, and just just normal. Yeah, there's not not a ton um, going on to maybe it's to not tip the scheme too much, you know? Like you you're sort of in the dark to what, what's going on um, in Diana's head as as everyone else in the scene is. Yeah, there, it, it does take a moment for me to, to really realize that, oh, yeah, she's just going to like, you know, she's doing basically a little mental kung fu on these people here to s make them step aside and then walk away. Yeah, I think, you know, once she gets Melville out of the car, uh, it becomes it certainly becomes clearer what what she's going to do. But we ultimately don't really get the payoff in this minute. So we'll, we'll get more of that tomorrow. Um, did you have anything else about this minute that you want to talk about? No, I think I've um, been tapped dry there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, you can find the Into the Night Minute podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, nightminute.com. You can connect with us and all of the other Into the Night Minute producers at The King Lives Listener's Limo on Facebook uh, or on Twitter at Night Minute. And you should join us here tomorrow as we wrap up our week uh, on Into the Night Minute. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Do we thank you or what? 
might say I fall in the or what category. 